Imagine waking up to a beautiful fall morning. The sun is shining through the windows, promising a new day filled with possibilities. You have that first cup of coffee, thinking about the work ahead at the job site. But then the unexpected happens. Walking to your truck, you discover your valuable tools were stolen right from the back overnight. It's a story that's all too familiar for many. In fact, $7.4 billion was lost to auto theft and property stolen from vehicles in 2020, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. For our guest today, Ann Wilbers, senior design researcher at Canopy, this scenario is not just another statistic. It was the catalyst for innovation. Canopy is a new company spun out by Ford, where the initial research that went into the product was developed. It's it's all about vehicle security, right? And um, back in the days, or a couple of years back, actually, um, at Ford, they were um, working on on some different um, different things, and they actually did a lot of user research. And they figured that like tool and equipment theft from truck beds is a huge issue, right? So the idea was kind of born to to work on on a device that can help protect your um, your items from theft. It's really all about providing peace of mind and have something that can protect your livelihood for. Um, because it's, um, especially for people who have all of their tools or their equipment for work, for example, like plumbers or carpenters, etc. If their equipment gets stolen, they lose tons of money. They lose um, days of work because they can't work, um, obviously. Canopy security is like a smart security camera for your truck. Whether you drive a Ford, GM or Ram. The camera mounts onto your truck's rear window and watches over everything you want to protect. It pairs radar with machine learning to actively monitor every corner of your truck, sending a live stream directly to your Canopy app, notifying you as soon as suspicious activity occurs. And when it does, LED lights illuminate so thieves know they're being recorded. And with every new Canopy device added to the network, the technology gets smarter at recognizing thieves' behavior, identifying patterns, and uncovering insights. But bringing such a groundbreaking product to life wasn't easy. It required meticulous planning and testing spanning two continents. Anne takes us behind the scenes. Um, so when I joined Canopy, um, it was all about like building up the research department itself. I'm very, very fortunate that the, uh, the company, because it's so focused on user research and it was um, really built on actual customer data. But of course, then you have to, when it's a new company and you're the, the, the first full-time researcher, you have to set up all those things like, oh, get a contract with user testing. Anne made the transition to UX design research from a background in academic research where she has a master's in psychology and was working towards a PhD. She loves to work. What I really like is you get to figure out how people actually use things. Also, you get to, to know or to meet people that are living completely different lives than you are, right? And what I really enjoy about the work at Canopy is that we have a hardware product, we have an app, we have a website, so it's not only the digital side, but it's also a lot about the hardware. And we did a lot of work on the installation guide. So you have to figure out 
you have to put something in people's hands and you observe them. You see like, where are they struggling? What? Why do they not plug in the cables? Is there anything wrong, you know? But you also have the counterpart of the app where they click through and scroll and you see like, oh, where did they? Hmm, okay. I'm, I'm a, a very passionate <laughs> UX and design researcher. <laughs> in addition to getting the team set up, Anne faced the challenge of preparing for the beta pilot that was planned for June of this year and a continent away in Detroit from where she's based in London. Getting ready would require many smaller research projects, including an internal alpha pilot that took place this past spring. You know, so we did a couple of rounds of the installation research um, because as I mentioned, like having um, like a new product, a new hardware product um, and people installing it DIY. Um, we had engineers writing a guide and then you hand it over to, to participants and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> so we did a lot of um, a lot of work on the installation guide, actually, then a lot of in-app work as well. And of course, they are all tied to hardware availability as well, because the product is not fully ready at this stage, you know. So you have to figure out when are we getting the first shipments of hardware? Do they align with any, like, what are the software engineers actually doing and what are our target dates? <laughs> And we then decided to first run an alpha pilot internally um, with um, fellow, we call them canopeeps, like with some fellow um, canopy employees. And yeah, first we were all a bit like, ah, does it make sense to just internally, you know, like, do we get enough data in, in general? Like, um, you know, a lot of people are um, a bit cautious when it comes to internal testing because everyone's biased, you know, like we all love the product. We all know why we're working here. I think in the end, it was ultimately the right decision because we were able to eliminate so many pain points before we actually kind of had this beta pilot going out to external people. The Alpha Pilot was important in uncovering any hiccups in the hardware and software but also because it served as a useful trial for all the user research methods the team intended to use during the beta, such as diary studies, one-on-one -on -one user interviews, and validated questionnaires. I really found the alpha pilot that we ran internally extremely helpful. That was, on one hand, really to make sure who are actually all the people that we need to be involved and who has to have which responsibility to also like get buy-in from from all the stakeholders because then you can see like oh that's actually that works well but here we have to we have to change things i think that also really helped to just go like okay for with uh, for the beta pilot we need people in person on site because it won't work um, otherwise and it also helped me as a researcher to kind of like kind of do do a dry run <laughs> of my uh, of my um, my plan right and there's always things where you're like, oh, actually, that's not a good question. I should, I should rephrase that. <laughs> Amrit Bachu is the principal customer experience consultant for user testing. He helps companies ranging from startups to those in the Fortune 100 dial in their experience research initiatives. Amrit, what are the advantages of running a pilot for UX research? For me, I've had this uh, this talk track for the last wee while where we're talking about fail fast, learn fast. So how do we actually uh, get it wrong as quickly as possible? And especially in a, an environment where we're looking to, to test with specialists uh, and people have got a, a people have got a specific need. Though we don't get so much time in these kinds of environments to spend with them and do testing with them. So what pilots allow us to do is to get through some of the more 
pernickety questions and, and uh, help us adapt and iterate upon that uh, really quickly. So by the time we, we do get in front of our actual users, our actual customers, we're in a better place and uh, we're getting the, a better value out of the time that we're spending with them, essentially. So I think for me, uh, that's the biggest thing. Fail fast, fail early, uh, learn from that as quickly as possible and then maximize the time that you're getting in front of your, your target audiences. What should folks consider when planning a pilot test? Again, one of my uh, core beliefs at uh, this moment in time is keep things as simple as possible. Uh, what's, uh, how do you get uh, doing this kind of pilot testing as early as possible? And what is the simplest thing you can test? So you're not going to always be the first person in the market. You're not always going to be the first person in space. Uh, but it may not be in your vertical. There may be people doing similar things in your vertical that's already out there. In Canopy's, in Canopy's case, there may, there may already be products out there that do similar things in different places. How do we take advantage of that? And how do we go and do some testing in those kinds of spaces, learn from it as quickly as possible? And again, that always comes back to, around to that feel fast, learn fast. That allows us to take that, that kind of information, build upon it, and by the time we are taking that into our initial pilots, our alpha, our beta, into live, we've got so much of information to play around with, we've got so much context, and ultimately we're reducing the amount of subjectivity that we're, that we're putting into the conversations that we're having and uh, the decisions that we're making uh, throughout that. So yeah, keep it as simple as possible, keep the variables as simple as possible, and again, maximize what you've got at your disposal by any point in time. Any best practices to consider? Yeah, so I think uh, several things uh, for, from that kind of per perspective. When we think about research in this kind of space, uh, one of the things that we do uh, as researchers, we've got that academic mindset. And from that academic mindset, we want everything to be perfect all the time. And we've got to be able to take that step back and be able to work in an imperfect world. When we start thinking about things in that imperfect world, we can start pulling in that fail fast, learn fast uh, type of type of ideal uh, ideology. Uh, so, the other thing with it is the more that we build and the more that we 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 stay focused before we get any testing done and do any research upon anything, the more blinkered we become into making changes as well. The same thing goes for the product. The same thing also goes for our test plans, etc. Uh, so the earlier we can test it, do testing on the testing, the more information that we've got and the quicker we can adapt and iterate on, those, on both things at the same time. Uh, then uh, if we can get uh, to the point then of also understanding who we're testing, we've spoken about a bit before about the, the exact audience, testing with the right audiences and using the right audiences all the time. But, uh, as we said, that's not always possible. So in that imperfect world of testing, how do we use what we've got available? So I think the Canopy example was, uh, they spoke about how they were doing some testing initially, internally, and they weren't sure if they were gonna get the findings that they wanted from it. They weren't sure if it was gonna be biased or not. But then how do you think about structuring your test plans around uh, those biases? How do, you, how do you make it more task focused rather than talking about their feelings and their, uh, and their uh, opinions around stuff, but rather how do they do stuff, how do they complete tasks, how do they use the app, how do they install the cameras, how do they do all of this kind of stuff around it. When we work in that kind of way, that's what allows us to work quicker, it allows us to uh, build on uh, what we're doing and it allows us to get more value as early as possible. 
And then again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, when we get back to speaking to our exact audience types, we're not dealing with the, the simple things. We're dealing with things that are going to give us the high level and high quality of information that allow us to take those next steps moving forward as well. In January, Anne and the Canopy team began recruiting for the beta pilot, using social media to look for Detroit area truck owners who ideally use their trucks for work and could commit to being available in early summer. She used several screeners to find just the right folks. Fast forward to June and the big day arrives. So when we planned the beta pilot, um, it was pretty clear that because it's an installation of a hardware product, we have to do this in person. Then we need cross-functional team in, in Detroit for the first week uh, for all the onboarding and the installation of our participants. And um, we really need like one person from each team minimum just to make sure there's always someone who can help with troubleshooting, be it hardware, be it software, be it, you know, whatever comes up. Um, because you never know, uh, you know, that's why you do a beta pilot. <laughs> And then we also, um, for this three-week period, we actually wrote almost like a, a shift plan so that we had people available for any emergency that might come up um, through customer service, you know, like, oh, my uh, my device stopped working, can you help me? You know, and then you go like, oh, yeah, who can help? <laughs> Who's available? That also helped us to just really um, help them with onboarding and explain to them what we actually want from them for three weeks. Because I always feel like as a researcher, even though you're trying to be as empathetic as possible, you sometimes you forget that not every participant has done this a million times, you know. <laughs> and there are people who are like, I've never done a product trial, what do you want from me? So we were able to explain to them, okay, um, so the next step is actually a so-called diary study. So um, what we had for them was um, like five different activities and we always ask them at the beginning of each activity, like, please let us know like one like negative and one positive experience from the past couple of days that you were using the product. And across those like three weeks, they always let us know like, oh, this is working well and this is not working well. If it seems like a lot of work, it is. Anne said it was a collective effort between researchers, engineers, marketing, and sales teams. It takes time, and it's expensive. So is it worth it? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I think um, we just, on one hand, we got so much rich data, um, not only from the interviews, but also the diary study that we had a survey at the end again. And I think just really knowing that this is like three very intense weeks, plus like all the weeks of planning that go into it. But we had learnings on like all different kinds of levels. And of course, it, I mean, like, for example, I flew over with uh, with a lot of my colleagues um, just for this one week to, to be in Detroit. Of course, it's also an expensive project, right? I think you often have a, an idea of things that can go wrong. And some of them actually go wrong and then you're like, okay, cool, this is something we really have to work on. And then all those things that you haven't imagined, <laughs> you know. And I think the good part was really, on one hand, we were able to prioritize afterwards and go into like, okay, these are things that absolutely have to be fixed. These are things where we can say, okay, this is great to have, great to know, but not as crucial for a launch, for example, you know. And of course you have like analytics data 
But I think with the on top qualitative data from the research, it was like easier for uh, for a lot of the um, other teams to actually figure out where the problems are. The beta pilot ran for three weeks. We all want to want to learn fast, right? And uh, when things go wrong, you you, you want to know this as soon as possible. So we had like dedicated um, Slack channels where we really like kind of like every morning went through the Dari um, study videos that came in and we're like, oh, this failed or this went wrong. And this shared this with all the relevant stakeholders. Then after each week, we, we wrote like an updated report and shared this with, um, with um, the whole company every Friday. In between, of course, like sharing video snippets and, you know, like always small bits and pieces of like things that went wrong. But um, I usually really like to share positive things as well, um, you know, because um, it's not all bad. Um, there's also a lot of great feedback that you get. Yeah, then in the end, after the three weeks, we did like a full analysis really of everything that we had and did a share out of the, like we wrote a long report, um, added a lot of videos to add a lot of metrics, um, etc. And then did a share out session where we actually had a really, really great turnout and had like, I don't know, like 80% of the company joining and listening in. So that was pretty cool. What were her lessons learned? Anne already mentioned the key takeaway was the benefit of an alpha pilot. What else? Then I think for the actual beta pilot, just really make sure that you like put a lot of effort into planning because it is probably more work than you expect. It's always great to do a dry run, um, not only like the alpha pilot, but what we, for example, did is like a full dress rehearsal on the day before the first participant um, came came over to our office just to really make sure like who's saying hello to them, like where do they go, where do we do the interview, where do they, you know, like because it's a it's a it's a truck uh, uh, device, like where do they park their truck, uh, do they have Wi-Fi at the place where they, you know, like all those small bits and pieces. Um, I think that was extremely valuable as well. I personally love a good diary study, and I think that was definitely the best choice method-wise um, over this like three-week period, um, just because you can see like the up and downs and discover things like, oh, what happens after three days? Uh, does it get better again after six days? I think like for me, really like the key learnings are just that it's it's like a tremendous team effort. It was just so helpful to to have all the different teams putting so much work in this. It, it wouldn't have been possible without like having my counterpart um, Ariel um, as a senior design um, senior product designer in the US helping me with so much of the research and having like all the the um, engineers there and everybody was really excited. You know, we we also worked so closely with sales and marketing. That was just amazing to have also like so many people from the company coming together and learning, learning from this as well together, you know, and then really just kind of practice before you, before you go out there. Canopy's journey reminds us that innovation is not just about having an idea. It's about putting in the hard work, collaborating with a passionate team and listening to your users. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find the episode show notes at usertesting.com slash podcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or even YouTube so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, I'm Nathan Isaacs, and this is Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from user testing.